0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti and this is Yoga Land. Today my guest is Niti Narula. Niti is based in New York City. She is a yoga and meditation teacher. She is the former Mindful Movement Director at The Well. She's a contributor at Yoga Journal. And she is starting to teach on a new platform called Melissa Wood Health. Nithi and I connected over social media, and I was just so impressed by her ability to articulate her story and her path through yoga. I think so many of you will relate to it, and I think also that she will provide some inspiration and some illumination about different ways to navigate being a yoga teacher right now and and making things happen for yourself and creating a career out of something that can be a really intense, ever-changing role and job. So we talk about how she went from being an investment banker to becoming a part-time yoga teacher and then making the leap to full-time. We talk about the different ways that she became a part of the different projects she has done, like working for The Well and now working for Melissa Wood Health, how she pitched, how she you know, has tried and failed. She was just very, very open. And I think you'll be, like I said, both inspired by her and also you might find yourself taking notes on the nitty-gritty of how she has done things. She's an incredibly kind, compassionate, sparkly person, and I know you're going to enjoy talking to her as much as I did. So enjoy the interview. Well, hi, Neeti. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks for being here.
1: I am so excited to be here. This podcast has literally given me life at times when I really need it. So
0: thank you for having me. Gosh, thank you. That's so (laughs) nice. That's so kind of you. I'm so glad that I'm still glad social media exists on occasion. And one of the reasons I'm glad (laughs) is because it introduced me to you and your account, which is beautiful. And I think I also, we have a connection in Sarah Ezrin. I think you know Sarah Ezrin, right? So I can't remember if like, I saw you comment on one of her posts, or she commented on something of yours, but it felt like a really great natural connection. So, and I really, I'm so excited to talk to you today because obviously you have so much to share. And something that I think is going to be incredibly useful to listeners out there is sharing your path as a yoga teacher and crafting a career, because that is a lot of work and really challenging. And I think you have made some great out of the box choices. So we're going to get there, but I thought we could start by, you've been really open to everyone's benefit about how you came to yoga and, and how that in- involved, you know, a trauma in your family's life. So I'm wondering, however you want to start talking about that, I just want to leave that open for you.
1: Yeah. I. I'm so glad we're starting with this because it's it's a really important part of my journey. It's not the only part, but you know, I was 23 years old and I lost my brother. He committed suicide and it was I mean, the most unimaginable type of um trauma and grief that um you know that I could go through at that time and in the healing process you know I was in therapy and taking care of myself as best I could but I don't even know why but I I wandered into a yoga studio a couple months after he died and it just, like, I have no idea how I ended up there. Like, I really don't know what called me to it. But it was the first time since he had passed that I I had some glimmer of, like, there being a sense of peace ever again. Like, something. And it wasn't, like, a certain pose or a moment. It was just, like, I had a feeling, you know? And, you know, just that belief um, mm-hmm. of possibility is so profound. And then like the repercussions of that and like going home and having an appetite for the first time, like little things that made me feel normal again, um made me go back. And so the entry point was, was really heavy. And especially at that, like 23, like, you know, my friends were in a completely different state of mind and it was so isolating. Um, and to have the practice, um, is truly like the most profound gift that I've received in my life. So, Mm Yeah, the entry point was
0: was a big one. One of the things that I find so amazing about yoga is how often people find it Like when we're in crisis. Like you said, it just somehow called to you. One of my very first interviews on this podcast was a woman who just had a brain aneurysm when she was in her mid-20s and went through obviously a traumatic brain injury and recovery. And as she was recovering, it was a similar story. She was living in New York and she would pass an Anusara studio on the train and like something just brought her in there one day. And I think what I'm hearing from you is like sometimes just going into that place where you don't have to be anything you don't have to no one has to know your history no one has to know what you're going through you also don't have to be this happy carefree 23 year old but someone's just holding the space for you to just be there is really incredible really yeah
1: and and just yeah to be anonymous and to go to a class and just breathe with other humans can be so so powerful Mm -hmm. and It really baffles me that like, I really don't know why I ended up in, in the yoga class, but you know, my, even my therapist within a year, she said to me, like, you found, you found something here, you know, like she, she could see such a change and I could feel such a change. So I think like, I could say that very early on, I knew that I would have to go be a part of this in a bigger way. And I do think that the practice has a way of finding us. I think there's something a little mystical, you know, I think it's also once you practice yoga for a long time, I'm sure you've felt this in your life, like the practice shows up for you at times when you need it, at mm-hmm. times when you need it, you know? So, yeah.
0: <laughs> so obviously, you know, that you then became a yoga teacher. So how... um how did that journey go? Like, would you say that yoga not, didn't just help you in that immediate moment of acute crisis, but it helped you as you were grieving, like process the grief? Yeah.
1: So I, I, I also was working in a corporate uh, career. I was finance and accounting and I continued to work in that career for several years after that. So yoga helped me process and I think work through my grief, but then, you know, at some point it pivoted to understanding myself and understanding the possibility of joy and life, you yeah. know, and really it went from such a place of like healing to opening. It's um, nice. and, yeah. I think that when I really started to open through it and feel such joy again in my life sealed the deal of um, you know this is this is life work now and so I I worked at a big four accounting firm and then went over to an investment bank and for a while I was just like <laughs> so funny to think about it this way, but I felt like a yoga like Batman type person like I literally <laughs> fit. at my desk all day, and then go to the yoga studio at night, you know, like every day. And then I took a sabbatical from my job, a month-long sabbatical, and I went and did my first 500-hour teacher training. And so I did that with the story of, you know, this is to improve my understanding of yoga and to really... Connect to myself on a deeper level. I would never want to teach, blah blah blah. But I was lying to myself <laughs> because I was scared. Yeah, you know, I was scared of that leap. And I came back from the sabbatical, and it was just, I I wanted to teach, and so I'd still I worked for another year. And what I would do is I'd go to the studio to practice in the morning, take the 6.30 a.m. class, go to my little cubicle all day. And then I'd head back to the studio two to three times a week to teach at night. Wow. And it was just like a complete yoga hustle. It was, it was wild. Um, yeah. There was very little uh, time for myself. But eventually I decided to leave. The
0: corporate job and just go for teaching, and even, even doing a five hundred hour, <laughs> full time corporate job. I'm I'm yeah. thinking like, how did she sort that out? And then you actually lot. started to teach part time. So you so you need a ramp. Let's just say like you're a person who needs a ramp up in order to to really make that leap. At least in that situation, you did. You were yeah. already teaching part time before yeah. you decided to leave your corporate job and. Make yeah. a go of it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I wanted to. I also wanted to get myself in the classroom and just see what it actually felt like. Smart before leaving, right? Mm-hmm. To see if I I liked it and it fulfilled me. Oh, I have this video from the first class I taught, and I literally have the biggest smile on my face, and I was like, I have so much work to do, but you know, I love it and I'm fulfilled. And so I knew that I'd have to leave my job the reality of being a yoga teacher at that time so this was 2016 at that time it was and it still is the reality of being a yoga teacher is really tough yeah you it's hard to make it financially stable and the landscape then was pretty competitive i mean the yoga i never expected to leave the the banking world in manhattan and find out that the market of yoga teachers is more saturated than like the finance people. Like there's just so many yoga teachers. It Mm -hmm. it felt really difficult at that time to, to get classes, you know? So I left my job ready to make this career a full-time thing, but there weren't enough classes to go around. And I was saying yes to every single opportunity But that, the months after I left my corporate job and I had so much space in my calendar to teach, but not enough classes and nowhere to like go, nothing to do. Like how many yoga classes am I going to take a day? It was really tough. I cried a lot. Like it was just, I was alone. (laughs) Like I was like, how do I do? I want to do this thing. I'm so ready, Yeah, but there's nowhere to
0: do it. Like. You know, right? So how did you? And and then and then you probably took a lot of um, subbing opportunities, which is the worst kind of yoga teaching when you're subbing for other yeah. people. Like, let's just be honest. It is yeah, so it's so hard to go into to come into someone else's class where people are either they either walk in the door and they're disappointed to see you because they think their regular teacher is going to be there, or they walk in the door and they leave because they want yeah. their regular teacher to be there. So how, how did you go through that and then how did so, you finally start getting on schedules or figuring out a way to to make a living?
1: Well, before I left, I was already on schedule regularly at my primary mm. studio. So I had like six classes a week at least already. Okay. Right? So I was already teaching a good amount. It's just that to go from six classes a week with a corporate job, so I was teaching those classes at night to then no full-time job. It's really not a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work, six hours a week, six classes a week is actually several hours at a studio, several hours of prep and planning and life work, so much work. But for me, there was so much open space that I didn't know what to do with. And I wanted to be teaching more like that 10 or 12 classes a week to really feel, but I, I couldn't get enough. And that was just how competitive the landscape was, at that time at the studio I started in like there were just so many advanced teachers and it was just a different landscape um but slowly things shifted and I was able to get more classes what I did was every time I stocked my email and anytime somebody needed coverage yeah I picked up an extra class an extra class an extra class so that's how I like made up for that in in the time frame in that time frame
0: <laughs> and then so how did things start to feel when did you start to feel like you you know you had momentum things were falling into place what it what what did that take how long and how did it happen It's
1: interesting because then the pandemic happened so oh, wow. a couple years okay. right so I'm teaching a few years and I'm in a good groove I also had a baby along that time, and that also shifted things quite significantly in the timing of classes, the amount of teaching, and what was feasible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when the pandemic hit, it, it forced me to start looking at my teaching in a different light, and I took a few more trainings, and that also, it's interesting, actually, there's a parallel between this, because not only did I have to think about how to teach not in a studio, I started to explore how to practice yoga, not just on a mat, right? Mm. So being forced to think outside of the box a little bit, and, you know, I did online teaching with my primary studio, and then, A few collaborations with brands really helped me um, fill my time as a teacher. Mm -hmm. But then at some point during the pandemic, I got into my head that I really wanted to write and I really wanted to get published. And that's when I started writing my yoga experiences and I pitched to Yoga Journal. and and the pitch got accepted. <laughs> That's great. That's and that was cool. a big that was a big shift for me on so many levels because there wasn't a framework anymore to my career, I realized. There wasn't a single framework, right? Because prior to that, I'd come from a corporate world where it's very laid out. It's transparent. You work this long, you get a promotion, maybe you get early promoted, maybe you like these are the dollar ranges you'll make. X, Y, Z. And I loved that structure. And I was great at my corporate work. Like I climbed that ladder quickly, but to go from that then to a yoga career, I was looking for that same sort of structure. So I was like, okay, I'm my foot's in the door at the studio. I'm going to work really hard. And I worked so hard on my teaching. When I tell you I mean I would come home. my husband worked so hard on my teaching because he took yoga with me every single night and we recorded audio recorded every class and I'd listen to it the next day like that's how I'd fill my empties and you. just take notes on myself wow. it was very harsh <laughs> it was very harsh but it was good to like go through that process and really hone my craft letting go of all that was a whole nother story but <laughs> get there um the pitch to yoga journal was a moment where i started to think outside of continuing to climb in just one place and instead of thinking about my career as linear anywhere it started to become more what's the word horizontal i don't know yeah
0: <laughs> well yeah i'm trying to th- i'm thinking of one of those charts that has like dogs. i know <laughs> i'm like you know? instead of going up it went this way. Yeah. Expanded. It
1: expanded. Yeah. And, you know, it's just interesting because I did a training with, um, Rodney Yee and Colleen Sedman around that time. And that's also when my yoga mindset and practice expanded off the mat too. And they really taught me to see yoga and life and everything all together. And so, yeah, that was my foray into into writing. And into, but this happened, so you
0: started to write during the pandemic. Is that when you that's yeah. really wise of you to figure out a way to use that quiet in-the-house time? Yeah. In a, in a in you know, a way of, of of growth, like focusing on growth. Um I just didn't know where else to do it. Like I, <laughs>
1: right, right. I want to keep doing and that's so much of my yoga career is honestly, I just, I want to do more of it. Where do I put this like love and this energy for, for my passion? And that's also like why being on this podcast right now is truly such a pivotal moment for me because I would sit in my cubicle in 2016 when your podcast launched and listen and sneak listening to you you know, nobody from my past career hears this, but you know, (laughs) I would sneak listen to yoga when I couldn't be practicing it. And now even as a parent, it's the same thing. Like if I can't get that same moment (laughs) at a studio or do the things that I used to call my connection to yoga, I come back to your podcast as like a cornerstone of being able to always be connected to the practice. So I think it's like just always really looking for ways to practice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think I'm glad to hear that because one of the reasons I even continue to do the podcast is because I want it to, I think it's just hard to maintain the same passion we have at the very beginning. And it's hard things. It's just, I wanted to create some kind of community where we could all stay inspired and it and it keeps me inspired to keep talking about it and to talk to people like you. So so that that's good to hear. You mentioned kind of like we skipped over it. So I want to make sure we don't skip over it. You mentioned having your first child. I can't remember if you had a boy first or a girl first. Boy, boy. Okay. So you mentioned yeah. having your first your your boy and was that also during the pandemic or was it just before? It was just before. Okay. And that was, was a, a whole, pandemic. you deal. know, yeah.
1: having a child obviously is just, it's a huge life change, but I don't want to generalize, but I think that there's a lot with a yoga teaching career. It seems like maybe you know, you get, you get some flexibility in your schedule, but what I found is it's actually super, super difficult to make work in a traditional sense where you're a teacher in a studio Hmm. Uh, because, you know, the peak classes, the morning and evening classes, which are the most well attended and are the most important times in our kids' lives, like getting your child up in the morning. Oh my
0: gosh. It's when they, like, let's just say it clearly. Like, Bluntly, it is when they need you the most. Yeah. And I need them. Yeah, exactly. That's true too. That's true. But like you said, like getting up, getting up in the morning and then getting them to bed and all fed, whether you're nursing or bottle feeding or whatever, but just getting them all fed and and calm and regulated so that they can feel safe and go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to miss that on so many levels.
1: And so I think at some point, I mean, pretty early on, it's, I was probably a couple years, two years into teaching when I had my son. And I went back really quickly because I was so scared of missing out. I just got into a rhythm. So six weeks, I started teaching just a couple classes a week because I was scared to to lose those classes, to be mm-hmm. honest. And, and it was a good, it was good for me because. Teaching is also meditative in a way because you're so focused Mm -hmm. that I think it was really beneficial for me, but it's also so hard because you're, you're leaving your child yoga classes in person, no matter where you teach. I mean, childcare is expensive and to make the math work doesn't always make sense (laughs) the math doesn't so, always math as my daughter likes to say. <laughs> yeah, the math doesn't math. And so then you really have to think about how to re how to evaluate, how to assign value to what you're doing. And because I'd had a corporate career, like I had a cushion to rely on and I'm very grateful for that that I worked in the corporate world and saved before making the transition to a yoga career, but it took like a whole reevaluation of what really is success because mm-hmm. in a career in finance, you want to make money and then you have to go to a yoga career. I went to a yoga career where it's, you're not making money and right. <laughs> you have and to walk away feeling good about what you're doing, Right, you know, truly and know that that is the most important thing you're right. redefining and remeasuring.
0: Right. And, and at the same time, I mean, in, in practical terms, right now, the way this society is structured, like we all need to make money to survive. So you're just, right. I, there's just that stressor, right? And that feeling of, I want to make this work in a way that's healthy for me. Exactly. I'm not just doing this out of <laughs> complete charity. Like that's not, yeah. it's just not feasible. And so, to be... Yeah, can and you be, feel supported. Exactly. And to be honest, the the
1: way charity is such an interesting word because I think that often because yoga is thought of as the beneficial self, like it gets put in this box of self-love and self-help. And so I think teachers a lot of times get pressured into giving it away. Right for a lot less than they should, and there's, I mean, there is a karma aspect. I, I love giving yoga away, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do, but I think we have to really be careful about the way we give it, right? right? right. When there's purpose and intention, and we're fundraising and it makes sense 100 percent, but I think we're at a point in time where. the the story around what it means to be a yoga teacher has to change because it's not sustainable,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? And the way we look up to our teachers, I mean, the way I look up to some of my teachers and what they've done for me is really profound. Yeah. So with that, I think we also have to empower our teachers to to realize what they're sharing and what they're capable of and in the beginning you know it is hard and you have to just take whatever opportunities you can like i went through that i did so much free teaching and it made me a better teacher mm-hmm. but you get a you get to a point where maybe it shouldn't be free some scenarios should be some scenarios shouldn't be right and then you have to think about how do i make this career what I want it to be for my life. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. And for yoga. (laughs) Right. And as you were becoming a mom, you realized some of the, this, the traditional, let's just call it for lack of a better word, the traditional structure in the West anyway, of teaching at night, teaching on weekends, teaching in the mornings, most popular class times was taking away from your actual quality of life. Yeah. And I just, I felt like
1: I couldn't do it. You know, Mm -hmm. there were moments where sending voice notes to my son at bedtime you know it's just it's tough and as well, my, and you're I, only that have that time once it's you don't so have, short it's so short it's and short. yeah and as my, and it's wild because the way that i would like i love i leave a classroom after teaching and feel so fulfilled and so good about interactions with the students but there's still this You know, I could only do it really once a week in the evening once I had my children because I didn't want to miss, Mm -hmm. like, the sweetness of these years. And so then you run up against this huge question of, can I follow my passion career Mm -hmm. and be the parent that I want to be? And, you know, why is it this hard? Right, 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 right. And what can I do to still teach or still share yoga? What else is out there Mm -hmm. Mm career-wise? And that's where it's like writing is an option. And just thinking about, you know what I do often is think about the ways that I take in yoga, right? Like I take in yoga through a podcast. I take in yoga through articles. I take in yoga through books maybe that's how I put out yoga too. Right. Mm-hmm. So starting to think about where my practice is happening and translating the way I give it out from just on my mat to other
0: facets. Right, right, right. I wonder did the did the pandemic in a way was it helpful to you to regroup and start to figure out, you know, other ways because you everyone had to start teaching Truly. online. Was that helpful? yeah truly. I think if you know I think
1: if I hadn't been given that sort of so much time to just be sort of stuck with my yoga and nowhere to give it, I don't think I would have, you know, pitched for yoga journal, taught online. I definitely would have taught would not have taught online. Mm-hmm. Like I would never have thought I could put myself out there in that way in a million years.
0: Wow. yeah. <laughs> And now look at you. (laughs) Full circle. What is happening? (laughs) I want to ask you about your time at the well and what you did there, because I think that's a really interesting little trail that you took on the path or that you've taken. I'm not sure if you're still there, if you're wrapping that up.
1: Yeah. So the well is a one-stop shop for all things wellness. in In the middle of New York and union square. And it's a beautiful space. And I was the director of mindful movement over there coming out of the pandemic. You know, there was very little in person class still on the schedule and they have a beautiful yoga space. And I helped rebuild the program and get things running and going into it, you know, The way I went into it, I I happened to attend a book talk there and met one of the founders who just has such a passion for yoga that we really just connected. And I wanted to teach a class there. So I put it out there and I was like, I'd love to come teach a class and sort of turned into, will you run the program? And so that's how I ended up there. And it was a really great project because it was yet another foray into a different yoga career. It was sharing yeah. yoga and building yoga at this at this space and you know just being a point person for the teachers and it was beautiful to be a part of. And going into it we knew it might be short term it might not be um and i really missed teaching because mm-hmm. the more time i spent building the less time i had to teach and so now I'm there as an advisor to mindful movement. So when there's really specific, the program is up and running, you mm-hmm. know? So mm-hmm. now when there's really specific yoga things that come up, I'm still there to support. I'm still teaching there. And mm-hmm. it's just another outside of the box thing that I got to yeah. do.
0: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think this is a good one to point out and uh, highlight a little bit, you know, when Jason, uh, I can't remember when it was, but When we were first dating, so I want to say, like twenty years ago. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! He got a similar opportunity to to be the director of the mindful, like the Mind Body Studio at the San Francisco Bay Club. So it was like this big, almost like an Equinox, but obviously more local. And they were starting a big yoga, Pilates, mindfulness program with this big space, and so he had the opportunity to do that, and had a really similar experience. Like he, so he got admin experience. He got leadership experience. He had a paycheck. He got to sit in on meetings and like kind of learn the dynamics of that. I mean, you already had that because you had a corporate job, but he didn't, he, he had never like sat in okay. on big company team meetings and had to go on like big company retreats and kind of learn the hierarchy of how to communicate with people and navigate corporate personalities and all of those things. And he also loved, he got to manage the teachers and uh-huh. loved mentoring the teachers and setting up the program and having an impact, a meaningful impact on how the, the program was run, the curriculum behind the program. And then it was like, mm, I'd like to be teaching more. So I think this is yeah. a really good point to make that like when you were saying there are just different avenues to take and and to think about opportunities and that they don't have to be forever, right? right? Like you didn't have to stay there forever stuck now in a desk job. You were able to go in, make an impact, connect, learn some things and then keep, go back to teaching. Yeah.
1: And well, that is just, I mean, that's the practice too, right? Like the practice we ebb and flow in our practices and we continue to evolve. Like I think about the way I started practicing and it parallels every phase of my life has changed alongside my, my practice and my practice has changed alongside my, you know, so it's like, cause Iyengar said the, you know, your practice ebbs and flows or waxes and wanes like the moon. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, I think it's a constant evolution and I think we, I think, in any career, we tend to get sort of stuck in what we think the normal trajectory should be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. What would you say? I mean, okay. So I feel like just to to clarify this a little bit more for people, like to drill down a little more. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like what you're bringing up is, you know, be creative in terms of thinking about <clears throat> different avenues to share yoga and your teaching. What would you say from a personality standpoint, it requires like y- the way you told the story was, was so breezy. Like, well, I went in and I kind of knew I want to teach her and I met the woman and we connected, yeah. but like, it took a lot of guts for you to do that. 100%. It, so how was that for you? And what do you think and, It's just like innate in your personality or that people can like learn to psych themselves up to do this kind yeah. of thing? You know, it's funny when I was saying that, I was like, it sounds
1: like I made it sound easy, (laughs) not easy at all. Right.
0: And the number
1: one thing that I, I mean, the well, I remember when the well opened in 2017, I went on their website and I looked at everybody on there, the teachers on there. And I was like, how do I get to this point? I stalked the teachers on there and I was like, how do I even get here? You know, and then fast forward a few years and I'm there in a different light in a different time and a different. But I really, truly believe all these things that I've done that are, you know, different than how I first imagined my yoga teaching career would be are from this like strong like leaps of faith and belief in myself that I really am shocked that I have.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there is something. I mean, I truly see it as a result of my practice because even growing up, I was never athletic. I was always like the last one picked on the team, all these things. And the things I've been able to do on my mat from a vigorous standpoint, that was sort of the, the starting point. Like, whoa, I can, you know, get a little airtime in a crow pose or I just never, ever, ever thought I could do that kind of thing. You know, and when you get that little, when you touch your toes the first time or whatever it is, like, <laughs> that's in my head because J- Jason said it the other day. On yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get that little, like, inspiration to believe in yourself, it sticks with you. And it may have started for me in that vigorous way, but then, like, learning to be still with myself and sit through the discomfort like when when i talked about those first months as a yoga teacher and having all that time it was hard because i had to face grief i literally distracted myself from for years i filled up my life with yoga then work then yoga then work like i had escaped mm. all the discomfort and then i had all this time and i literally had to just sit with my loss and my hardship and that to me is really the bigger wow for my yoga practice and believing in myself like the fact that i could learn to sit with this oh, such horrendous loss that i've been through and breathe through it is you know if you can believe that you can you can find joy after that yeah. you start to really believe in in what's possible and I think that belief in myself just kind of makes me in random moments like when I feel like something really fits just try why not right like why not introduce myself and say I love it here like I would love to teach a class here maybe it'll stick <laughs> right 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 <laughs> and maybe it won't I've had a lot of disappointments too you know right. like there have been things I've tried to do and they just don't work and and they've been hard
0: totally you know but there's a great podcaster. Her name is Nora McInerney, and she has a podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking, which admittedly I haven't listened to many of those episodes because they're hard to listen to. She lost her husband to brain cancer when they were both very young. I think she had just had her baby or she was pregnant. Um, and But she has another podcast that's short form that I recommend everybody listen to. It's called It's Going to Be Okay. And, she, yeah, she talks about – Like this combination of intuition. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is like this feeling of really hard things, like feeling the okayness within really hard things. And then now you have this like really strong sense of intuition that impels you forward or that has at the right moments like kicked in and just like a motor
1: (laughs) just like driven you forward. Yes, 100%. Like I get these waves and I'm like, that's it. And I truly believe that I wandered into that yoga studio, that very first practice. I think I was experiencing one of those, like I didn't even know it, but I just like ended up, you know? And so I've had these moments of just like something and then learning to actually believe that, like to go for it because you, like, we're all, we all have intuition. I think it's just really scary to listen to it <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, no, it is. You know? it like, is. it's just,
0: or we just like blot it out. We, we blot it out because we're afraid of the failures. I know why I brought up Nora McInerney. I got lost for a second because <laughs> she has a whole episode, a recent episode, and it's just like her, her short episodes are like five to 10 minutes where she walks through all of her failures. Like I started this project, it didn't work. And then I went on to that and that didn't work. And and we all have them and we don't talk about yep. them. I mean, and it's, I don't think it's just because of shame that we don't talk about them. It's just like, we all have them and we all have to kind of move forward. Yeah, we don't, So we just, it's like, it was interesting to listen to someone just bring all of them to light, especially because I, yeah. I admire her and all of her work. And I think she does fantastic work. And it's like, no, there's lots of things that we all try that don't work. And, 100%. and then when we talk about them on a podcast, we talk about like the things that did work <laughs> because they're yeah. inspiring and your work at the well is inspiring. But yeah, that's interesting to hear you break it down a little bit, like in terms of overcoming some self-limiting beliefs and following your intuition. And I do think that, and I'm putting words in your mouth when I say following your intuition, but it's just what I kind of heard from that story. No, that's 100%. Yeah. Like I
1: think the theme here is, is, is that, and just believing in those moments when that intuition comes through
0: and not like not quieting that voice or if, if the, if not quieting the negative voice or if the negative voice comes up, like bow to it. Okay. That's okay. Yes. I. Okay. So what if the person says no and just keep going? Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. you have like another new project that you're starting that I think was the result of you seeking it out and like following your intuition and (laughs) taking a leap. So, so tell us a little bit about that first. Like what is it that you're going to be doing coming up? Yeah. So
1: this September, I will be teaching online at MWH, which is Melissa Wood Tapperberg's online platform. and. For those of you who are not familiar with her, she's, she's been teaching online for several years and she launched her platform and brought new creators on aside from herself about a year ago. And when I saw the platform launch, I just, I just saw an opportunity and I really, I knew right away. I was like, I want, I want to be teaching on that platform. And I think it's just, you know, it's a boutique amount of teachers and it's all women right now, right? Right now. Yes. And it's yoga, meditation, Pilates and yeah, it's, you know, versatile for sure. And I, that was another sort of like leap moment. I reached out and it sort of took off from there. I, I auditioned, I sent through my materials. And it was just, it felt like such a good fit right off the bat, I think, for both of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks to this, this intuition theme, because sometimes when you really feel something strongly, there's a, there's obviously a reason. And then following that through might lead you somewhere. And when it doesn't, I think there's a lesson to be learned from that too. You know, like there's so many opportunities that there's been other online stuff that I've I've early on in my career that I tried out for um, that I didn't get. Mm -hmm. And now when I think back to it, I just can't even imagine myself there. And I wasn't ready at that time either. Like, you know, I was so new to teaching and my teaching was so, it was so different. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i feel so ready now and and my practice has changed so much you know mm-hmm. that was a time when i was practicing only in a studio now my practice is primarily at home and to be able to share the connection one can get in their own homes to themselves through yoga through meditation is like such an honor for me because mm-hmm. when you when you find that it's, it's such a tool, you know, it's such a tool to have in your own space.
0: Yeah. You know, before we were, we got on the call, we were talking about the difference between practicing for us, at least when we were younger and we had the time and the inclination to go to a studio five days a week and do the hour and a half sweaty flow. And that that's not really feasible at this point in our lives and, and, and that life changes and our needs change and our schedules change. And so now you were saying that now the practice is much more, it sounds like it's much more like 360 in your in, integrated into your life. Yes. And,
1: you know, I still, I, I practice in the morning and it's, you know, depends on my kids, <laughs> but I, I have a formal practice every morning where I meditate. I, do breath work, pranayama, then I meditate, then I practice asana. And it varies every day, you know how much asana I'm doing. And some days it's a 10 minute practice. Some days, yeah, it's like a 50, 60 minute vigorous thing. But the the consistency of showing up every day no matter how long the practice is like if it's a 2 minute meditation and that's all i have time for it's it's bigger than just me right it's like that commitment to the practice because of how much it has given me i have to give back mm-hmm. and showing up every day gets a lot easier when you're doing it in your own home and so i just I just think it's so interesting how all these facets of my career have also paralleled where I'm at in my life and my career. And I think that's really where as yoga teachers, as yoga professionals, as yoga students, that openness of letting things evolve to where you're at right now is really important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because otherwise... You might lose connection, right? With if it can't fit into your life in the old framework, it's time to make a
0: new one, (laughs) right? And then you're, yeah. And if you lose connection, your teaching's not going to feel the same potent. And I know that you also teach and practice meditation. So, um, well, when you're on this platform, what's the curriculum that you're teaching? So I'm teaching meditation. I'm teaching
1: Pranayama I'm teaching asana. so a little bit of everything. yeah, um, you know, I think I'm grateful that there's so there's so much openness with what I can bring. And I think it's also wonderful because my practice has changed so much from strictly asana that I'm excited to be able to sort of share a larger bandwidth like right. the practices that ended up being the most transformative for me to date are the ones that when I first started a yoga practice, I actually really, really, really didn't like, you yeah. know, like I really didn't like Ian really didn't like meditation. And those are the two things that transformed me. Yeah. And it all comes down to stillness and not being okay with it mm. because of
0: what it brings up. Mm hmm. So do you feel like that's one of your goals is to help people become comfortable with stillness to help guide them there? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's every class I teach. I think that's one of the most important things, Mm -hmm. you know, even in a vigorous vinyasa style class or anything, I mean, it leads to stillness Mm -hmm. and all of that challenge, everything we work through, Like the movement is all, it's all valuable, right? But it leads us to that quiet. And I think when we learn to, to face the quiet and be with it, that's when the practice goes with us off our mats, mm-hmm. right? And into our
0: lives. I like that. That's a really good wave. I like that. That does make sense. That that is what is the bridge, yes, the bridge. You mentioned kind of looking at the platform and seeing, you know, an opportunity. And I just, I think for people out there who are wondering, like, how can I figure out the right platform for me, or is there a right platform for me, or do I create my own platform? How do I approach people? How to? Did you? Could you talk through just the actual process a little bit? Like, did you reach out to? the company like through their website or did you find someone who knew them and get an introduction how did you actually how did that part go about so i did i reached out um just
1: via email to i think i reached out on the instagram and then emailed and said you know i'm interested and from there it took a little bit of time because they had just launched and everything and getting your foot in the door anywhere is so hard like the amount of i mean I'll say one thing, like I follow up, you know, like I follow up a lot. And it's (laughs) you just, you got to try, like, just, just like, okay, hi, I'm back. Like just seeing how, if things changed,
0: I'm shameless with that. You know, I'm I'm scrappy. Got to be a little scrappy. Yeah. Got to get in there. I'm trying. I'm mm -hmm. trying.
1: So, and you know what, like, there's so much, I think, a lot of times it's like you don't want to look like you're trying too hard, and there's all this pressure around that. Like, what's wrong with trying really hard? What's lo- wrong with loving something, wanting to do it, and working your butt off and trying really hard? You know, it. so let's true. just do it. So that's, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> like, why do it's we like- have to make that an uncool thing? Like, exactly. Why? I exactly. think it's cool. It's not seventh grade make- anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Change the narrative. And so I reached out, and then I did happen to actually, somebody on the team was one of my students. And so that sort of clicked things a little bit more into place. And once I think once you have like an actual connection, it helps. But I really wouldn't have known that unless I did my blind reach out. Right. Uh And that's what so many of my reach outs have been sort of just like, hey, I'm here and just following up and trying again and again. And, you know, the process after that was submitting my classes and talking to the team and normal, like a normal interview type. But I think it was very clear quickly that the fit made sense. And I think I knew, I just had a feeling about the platform. And I think the way, the way that I, narrowed that down was I knew I did not have the energy to make my whole own website platform. I just, I just didn't have it, Mm -hmm. especially with my kid, like with my Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. I'm very aware that that was not in the cards for me. I think I wanted to be at a platform with not a ton of teachers, I didn't want to feel like a needle in the haystack. And so that's why this really uh, resonated with me because I think the teachers feel like they're carefully, the teachers are carefully selected and everybody is really, you know, part of a team. So Mm -hmm. that was just what drew me in. And that's how
0: I, that's how I paved my way. (laughs) <laughs> when you sent your initial pitch, I'm asking you this. I know I'm getting so in the weeds here, but people ask me this all the time. They ask yeah. me how to pitch anything. When you sent your initial pitch, how was it? How long was it? Was it very short? And and did you pitch like I would love to add like this kind of class or approach, or did you just leave it broad and talk about who you are?
1: I think my first pitch was. I would have to check back, but I think my first pitch was pretty broad. I definitely didn't say I'd love to add this and this to the platform. Mm -hmm. I did point to some stuff that I've done Mm -hmm. that for credibility, my articles, and, you know, I mentioned some of my background and having some, I think, as teachers, having something you can share as a segment is really helpful. So I was able to share the, Times Square class that I taught last year and things like that really, you know, and I think that that's helpful, but
0: I, I think it was pretty high level. Okay. Yeah. No, that's really helpful. That's really helpful. It is. I think sometimes people stumble on the, just getting started, right? Yeah. How do I even get this email sent out and not say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing? Yeah
1: honestly have I think it's also so dependent on the recipient. Like you Mm -hmm. have no idea who you're, you know, reaching out to. And maybe it's a person who likes something short and concise. Maybe it's somebody who wants the whole, I think you
0: just got to do it. And you got to just do it. Yep. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I always tell people, that's why people used to ask me, you know, do you worry about, do you look at how many people unsubscribe to your newsletter? I was like, never. I have never (laughs) once paid attention to unsubscribes anywhere ever, because I'm like, you literally have <laughs> no idea like what is happening to them on that day and, yeah. and what they could have just been sitting at their kid's soccer practice and just like, I'm going to unsubscribe from everything I've ever been yeah. on in my life. You just yeah. can't take that personally. So no, maybe in that way, being in behind the screen, you can, you can t- take the, the quote unquote rejection a little more easily, like just yes. out, see what happens.
1: Yeah, you won't know, right? You won't yeah. know if you don't even send
0: it. So, right. Yeah. The classic you won't know unless you try. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. When are, will your classes be up on the platform? When can we find you?
1: So, September 18th and there is a 7-day free trial and I'll have a little library of classes, so a range of, you know, everything I teach will be up and more and more to come. I'll continue to film. And yeah, it's so I'm exciting. super excited.
0: I'm really excited for you. And do you feel like, just to kind of like, do you feel at this point, I think you do, I think this is why you reached out to me, like you're at yet another phase of putting together a career that works as opposed to trying to fit yourself into a framework that really wouldn't work for you and your family right now? Yeah. because
1: I honestly was hitting a a little bit of a rut where I just didn't, I didn't have the energy to teach the, you know, studio to studio and show up as the the mother that I want to be. And I didn't want to miss as much as, you know, I felt I needed to miss to be able to do the studio to studio thing. And this is this is really fitting into the framework of my life. I rather I film a couple, you know, couple days at a time. And then I take other time to, to get really creative with my teaching and what I'm going to teach. Cause filming a bunch of classes at once takes a lot of prep, but right. I'm able to balance that with my family life and continue to write, mm-hmm. which is also on my continual growth list. So so yeah, I'm very grateful that this has come to fruition at this time in my life because it's allowing me to to make space for for all my passions well, and I'm, not feel like I had to give up on this career that is so important to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I'm so glad for you too. And also just, I'm glad to talk to someone and to, to thank you for just sharing so openly the process and that it, it is a lot of trial and error and trying and trying and trying again, because I think that we need this creative models of how to make it work in this field. And as moms too. And so it's, it's great to see someone who is making it work. So I'm really happy for you. And I just, I thank you thank so much you. for being here and and for sharing all of the details. They were really helpful.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad that I got to be on here and it's so great to just connect with you. And, you know, I've listened to so many episodes, so it's really special to be here. And I think- The last thing I just want to say is like, I think as teachers, we will just have to get more and more creative in the landscape that we're in right now, because things have shifted so dramatically in the past few years. And I mean, you see it in the classrooms, you see it as teachers. Like, I think a lot of teachers don't have the, there's like an energy it requires to be in person that I think has shifted. You know, I think a lot of people being home during the pandemic now have it's very draining to be in person. So mm-hmm. I think
0: we we have to grow and change and shift. We really do. We, I was just having a discussion with a really good friend of mine who's an art director about AI and how like we're yeah. both our you know, our jobs are changing even in subtle ways right now, but potentially in really big ways. So, yes, change is the law and yep. uh, it's good to share <laughs> <laughs> good to share as much as we can to to try to navigate it and get through yeah. it and i'm excited to see what's next for you too i'm excited to see you on the platform and
1: thank
0: you i'm you. so excited yeah all right well thanks thank you so much i will put show notes at yogaland slash episode 312 and i will include a link to the mwh platform where, where Neethi will be teaching and as she mentioned you can do a free trial so I hope you'll check it out and let me know if you enjoyed this episode and this kind of nuts and bolts, how to navigate being a yoga teacher, because I'm sure so many of you out there have different stories that you can share as well. And I'd be happy to highlight them if you feel ready to talk and formulate, formulate all of your ideas into a cohesive uh, conversation. Okay. So if you enjoy the podcast, let me know. You can share it. You can let me know on social media. We will be doing our Yogaland book club talk with Alison Zach soon. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back to episode 308 and go read the book and join us at substackyogaland.substack.com. All right, everyone. Until next week, enjoy your practice.